Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Brush with Brit. If you're new here, I'm your host, Brit. I'm a dental hygienist. I used to be a dental assistant, and now I just do hygiene and I also create all types of social media content and I spread awareness about the industry of dentistry, what we do, what hygienists do, what assistants do all of that good juicy stuff. And in today's episode, I have my good friend slash coworker, Mallory. Mallory and I, we both graduated from class of 2020 and we were both assistants before becoming hygienists. In today's episode, she takes us through what it's like to go through a trade school, which I'm super excited to hear about because I haven't had a full-on conversation about what trade school is like and I get a lot of questions about it. And also she takes us through, this is like so juicy, She takes us through what it's like being a new hygienist while being pregnant. And I really wanted to hear her details about this because I might be in that position one day and I want to know what it's like before it happens to me. So she's going to let us know what all her unexpected and difficult things that happened were during this whole time. So grab your glass of wine or maybe it's your morning coffee on the way to work. You're not going to want to miss this episode. So let's get into it and I am just going to get her on the pod. Let's go. All right, everybody, we have Mallory here. Mallory is my coworker and my really good friend. And like I said in the intro, we met on Instagram, which is kind of funny to even think about. And then we became coworkers <laughs> after that. And I went through a community college for my schooling, and I get so many questions about what it's like to go to a trade school, and I have literally no idea. So that is exactly why I brought her on the podcast. So Mallory, go ahead and introduce yourself, whatever you want to say as far as like what school you went to, um, your age if you want, um, and maybe even a little bit of your background before you became a hygienist. Hello. Um, Yeah, so my name is Mallory, and I, um, as Britt had said, I had gone through trade school. Um, a little bit about me is I am 26, um, have moved all over. Uh, my dad was in the military, so I've been here in San Diego for most of my life, but um, have lived on the East Coast. Um, lived in Italy for a couple of years, um, but definitely San Diego is home. And I was a dental assistant for three years in ortho and absolutely loved that. I loved how I was a little more independent. Um just then like general, general dentistry just allowed, it was just, it's just a little bit different of a field being an ortho. Um, and my mom is a dental hygienist and that's what kind of got me like knowing about the field. And, um, so I kind of knew hygiene was always the goal. I didn't realize like how soon I'd want to go into hygiene from being an assistant. Um, but definitely glad that I did it though, when I did it, cause you know, life is short. So it's nice that I didn't wait too much longer. Um, but yeah. And, um, how old were you when you graduated? Um, hygiene school. Yeah. Or dental assisting and hygiene school. I pretty sure I graduated in, um, oh my gosh. I feel like it's like all like a blur now. 2020. I, so I started working in June. So I graduated, I graduated right when I turned 25, mm-hmm. um, is when I finished in 2020 because like the whole pandemic thing and everything happened and I was one of the lucky ones that um we actually finished we had just taken reb um before all the shutdowns happened so we got like super lucky in that sense but then of course taking nationals and all that other stuff was an absolute nightmare um 
but but yeah um for those of you who don't know um Mallory and I both graduated in 2020 and so that was right when the pandemic hit and she went through a trade school and so our schedules were a little bit different and she was actually able to take the practical exam um, the reb exam for some people before she graduated and for me i took my reb exam after i graduated so like whatever program you go to sometimes it's different in that sense um, depending on when you take the written and when you take the practical exam and yeah, both of our, did your program end up getting shut down or did you graduate on time? Um, we ended up graduating on time. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, we had just, we had finished clinic at the very end of February. And then we had taken our boards, um, taken Reb two weeks after we had finished clinic. Okay. So, so yeah, I took, I took, I want to say I took Reb the weekend of February 24th or whatever that weekend was. It was the very last weekend of February. Um, but all our, the rest of our didactic work, because we still had a couple of didactic classes to do, that all went online, um, which was nice. So we had finished clinic already, didn't even have to worry about any of that anymore, um, which is interesting because I remember all of us were really angry at first because they wouldn't let us take nationals unless, uh, I wish I could remember, the HESI. Is that the right term? Do you remember? The, do you know that term? The HESI? Um, yeah, I think that's the entrance exam. And then there's just like the NBDHE. I don't know. There's so many different ones. Yeah. They had us take, before we were allowed to take our national board exam, they, if we were going to take it early, if they, we had to take, we had to take and pass um, with a certain percentage, a different, like a dental hygiene HESI exam. And I feel like, I hope I'm not forgetting the name of it. I want, I'm like 90% sure that's what it was called. Yeah. I've definitely heard that term before. But yeah, so about like when we were taking those didactic courses, we were all studying because we wanted to obviously take nationals as soon as we could um, and didn't want to wait till we graduated to take nationals. Um, so, but out of our class of 24, um, only one person who was actually a good friend of mine in the class passed with a high enough percentage to take nationals early. Um, so, which is absolutely crazy. And like all of us, I remember we're like super angry and we're like, so mad but it definitely could have been worse like the fact that we were able to have taken reb i feel like we were should not have been complaining um but but yeah so i know it was definitely out of order from other students i talked to and even when i went to um the dental hygiene seminar like everyone was shocked that we were like taking our reb exam when we were taking it and so I'm not sure why that worked out that way, but it ended up working out in our favor definitely what about Um, so tell me a little bit about like the kind of the sequence of how trade school works, like the length of it and like the cost of it and how you chose a program like that. Oh, yes. Um, so I went to Concord um, and uh, at the time that I started the program, I want to say it was 20 months long, but um uh, California, the dental, the dental board of California, or one of the organizations added courses to it. Um, which is why we had extra didactic classes to take at the end. Um, so they like changed like their requirements or something, or like, you know, when they like check a school for their credentials, um, they added classes to our program. So then it ended up being 22 or 23 months. I want to say it was 22 months. And then the program after us who had started, it got changed to 24 months, which is kind of crazy. So about two years. What was that? So about two years. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what's interesting 
about trade school. And so my mom um, went to community college for hygiene school. So like our being able to like, kind of like, and she was, she didn't like, she graduated in 2011. So she didn't, it wasn't like that much longer since she had been in school. So just hearing, being able to compare like our like experiences was really interesting. So um, for trade school, the first two, we called them terms. Um, so the first two terms were the prerequisite classes. Now, some people had already had these done, so they would actually just, like, skip those first two terms and, like, start at the hygiene coursework load, which was term three. Um, so the first two terms were, like, the biochem, um, math, English, all the all the prerequisite courses that you have to take to get into hygiene school. Um, and then the science courses had labs, and then all the other work besides the labs was online. Um, so it was definitely, like, fast-track and condensed. Um for someone like me, like it for I, I ended up having to take um, I had to take an English course because um, the one that I took in community college didn't transfer over, and then I had to take biochem. Um, but luckily, like yeah, all my other ones transferred over, which was really nice, and so made the program cheaper then too because you're paying for those courses as well. So any courses that you already have done, you don't have to pay for that. Um, and then if you think about it, it made it even shorter for you if you had already had those prerequisites done. So like you would be skipping essentially like four months of, of time. So you just start when the hygiene portion starts, if that makes sense. Okay. So then if you had already had like some courses done from another, let's say like a community college, then you can see if some of them transfer over and then that can take away some of the, um, amount of time for the trade school and money and money yep. okay got it yep but typically so, it takes about like signed up for when i had enrolled or whatever you would call it um i want to say the program was <sighs> i want to say it was like 76 or seventy-seven thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so i am very very lucky so having a dad in the military um, but that, this is the main reason I chose Concord was because I knew I didn't have all of the prerequisites done. Um, so what, I'm sorry, sorry, backtrack. So, um, my dad, since he had retired military, I qualified for the GI bill, um, financial aid. And so that paid for everything. So like I super, super lucky. And then Concord's also a yellow ribbon school. So whatever the GI bill didn't cover. So it didn't cover some of the books, um, our little like hygiene kits or whatever, um, since Concord's a yellow ribbon school, they paid for whatever they didn't cover. So I did not pay anything for school. And um, the GI Bill would expire when I turned 26. Um, I started the program um, right as I was turning 24, or a little bit before I was turning 24, I believe. It was in August, yeah, so like a, a little bit before I turned 24. Um, but so in my mind, the main reason I chose the trade school route was one um, because of the courses I had already taken, um, I was pretty shoe in to get in for that, that, that program time. Um, but then I know that just, if I did go to the traditional one where the hygiene program is that full two years, I would have had to take classes before. Um, and I didn't want the GI bill expiring. Got it. Um, if anything did happen, if I did have to retake anything or gosh, God forbid, like start something over, which didn't end up having to happen. But, um, and then of course having everything paid for just, kind of took the money out of the equation and the sooner I could start working. Um, Do you know if that, I chose that program. Is Concord able to accept um, FAFSA? Are you able to use that for that? Do you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yes, you can. Um, Because I had already had the GI bill. I didn't qualify 
I wonder if I could have. I'm not sure. I didn't look too yeah. much into it because they had taken that already. But I do know because they had me do the paperwork for it. But then they were like, like, oh, you made this much money. Yeah. I don't know. It was kind and of I think that the the Concords, from what I've heard, they're more expensive now. A little bit more than that. I mean, I guess it would depend on what classes you have to take. But I've heard it oh, be around yeah. like eighty or or ninety thousand now. Yeah. With the extra two terms they had, they have added. It's in the nineties now. I know that. I one of the littles I have talked to. You know, they always ask for. You know, this is the frenzy of not knowing like what the future holds. Like they want to know everything that you know. Um, but see, I do know it's like significantly more expensive than when I had like signed up. And how many um, students do they accept? Um, in our class, there was, I want to say it's I, 24. Yeah, because there was okay. 24 in our class. One girl did get dropped, um, but everyone else yeah. made it as, nice. as of, as my, to my knowledge. Yeah, yeah, my class was, they accepted 36 and we... Um, ended up with 24, but picked up two from the previous, like the, the class prior or whatever that had like had to start over. So we did Got end it. up graduating with 26, but we originally accepted 36. So I feel like every single class is so different, the amount that they yes. accept. What about your patient process? Like as far as like finding patients or um, do they have a patient base already ready for you? How is it there? Um, so you had to find all of your own patients. And then, um, so we started the hygiene coursework in term three and we didn't start seeing patients till term six. And then in term five, we all worked on each other. So it was all like the practicing instrumentation and stuff like that on each other first. Um, so the school did have like a binder of patients that, you know, kind of just came off the street and were like, Hey, like I want to get seen. Um, very unhelpful. I feel like it helps some people, but anybody I contacted through the binder either flaked on me or didn't answer their phones ever. So I found that very unhelpful. So all of my patients consisted of family, friends, and then Facebook strangers. So definitely thankful for Facebook because um, just knowing like my mom's experience back in 2011, like a lot of her like like posted flyers and stuff like that. A lot of it was like more word of mouth versus social media. Were these like Facebook groups or like were you just adding yourself to like the Facebook groups in your city or what were you doing um the you know like uh, how like uh, one of them was San Diego classifieds got it um or the buy sell San Diego page that like they would always decline your post at first but then when you went to like have them like I forget what you click on but basically ask them to like review it again and put like why um, I just did that and then they always approved it, which was really nice. Yeah. I felt a lot, I had a lot of success with, um, Facebook group pages and yeah. I like went and added myself to like all of the cities in San Diego <laughs> and like I would post to them like every other day. I, I had this template of what I would post and I would just repost it, repost it. And just, I found a lot of patients that way too. And one thing that, so for your program, um, were your patients, did they count per quad or was it per patient? Um, it was, I think, I, I don't know. I think it ended up changing because they ended up, it start. I think it started per patient. Well, you would only get full credit if you finished the whole patient. So yeah. I think it was full per patient and then it ended yeah. up being per quad towards the end because of COVID, I think, but honestly, it's all a blur. 
Yeah. I know ours was per quad. Yeah. So it like really nice about that was if you had had a certain amount of quads of a type of patient, like a type one light or um, type two moderate. And like, say you had another patient, you only needed two quads. You, we would like share them with each other. Yeah. Um, so like I would do two quads on someone and then give it to somebody else who could do the other two quads. So that made it really nice. Cause I've heard of other people's experience of having to finish the entire patient. And like, I probably, I'm sure it happened to you too. That patient would come, you clean half their mouth and then they'd ghost you. Yeah. And then you were like, no. So that was nice. At least like we'd get credit for the quadrant versus like the entire mouth. How did you feel about the courses being so condensed? It was hard. It was rough. Um, one thing that, you know, just again, I have only ever experienced the trade school route when it comes to hygiene school. So I'm just only talking about like my personal experience and then what other people have told me about their community college experience is um, our instructors were very, very helpful Um very, very helpful when it came to, uh, I'm trying to think of how to like, like word this here. Um, it was, I feel like, although it was condensed and I was, so I'm someone who like, I'm not going to even like, I do the best of my ability to not even be close to like not passing a course, but they definitely don't want you to fail because obviously that doesn't make the school look good. So I definitely know of people who like retook finals and midterms and stuff like that that I've heard of at community college they don't let you do that got it so they like do their best to definitely make sure you do not fail exactly got so it. like the one person that did get dropped from our program like I'm like surprised she didn't get dropped sooner like it was just like I was like I it was very chaotic but yeah our, um, our program it, was kind of I don't know. I feel like with some things, it would be very like cutthroat and then other things, it was like you would get more chances. And then our class was just so small, like one of the smallest that the school had had in a long time that they did not want another one failing, (laughs) you know? So it was kind of like, we got to get these hygienists going. (laughs) Right. Well, because I know, I remember towards the end um, when during clinic, there was like a good amount of people that hadn't finished their clinic requirements. And so they actually extended clinic hours. And so people who had already finished their requirements, which this was a little bit of a bummer. So if you already had finished your requirements, you were allowed to use clinic time. as like just practice. So like I could bring in my dad and preach and time myself cleaning his teeth to see if I could do it in under an hour, stuff like that. But so they made you trade with people who didn't have, their clinic requirements completed. Um, so they had more hours. So towards the end, I know there was like a ton of like schedule changing and stuff like that to like really push the people who, who needed to get done. Um, and they were like asking other students like within the school, cause there's a ton of programs at the school, you know, um, dental assisting, um, physical therapy, All the assisting, a whole bunch. They're like going around to like classes and like grabbing people from like other classes to come in, um, help sit and be patient. And so bless their hearts for doing it. So (laughs) it worked out most I've everyone except for one person made it through. So I think the biggest thing that I just hear about trade schools is how expensive it is, but I can see like with your situation and how it was paid for through like the GI bill and stuff, like how it would be worth it. Because like for me, when I 
went through community college, my number one thing was that like I had no money and I had no, <laughs> nobody was going to help me. So I had to basically go through community college. But definitely the one thing when I found out that it was going to take me four years, I was like, that's such a long time. It, it seems like forever. So I could see how like if you have a way to pay for the trade school that like the 22 or 24 months or whatever it is, is so nice. Like so quick, yes. you can become a hygienist so fast. I mean, if you were like exactly. 24, 25 or 26, like that's so young. I became a hygienist when I was 28, but I started school when I was like 24. Well, exactly. Cause if you, if you're taking all the, like all the prerequisites ahead of time, yeah, exactly. It adds an additional two years to what you would need to do. Yeah. Uh, so in my case, it definitely worked out really nicely. And I know most people took loans or uh, took loans out because not many people just have that sitting around in the bank account. So that yeah. would be, be a different story. But <laughs> I, have a, I have a friend who um, had to take out a loan for it. And it's definitely been like a struggle for her to be able to pay that off, um, which is one of the nice parts about going to community college. But I always tell people because I always get the questions like, trade school or community college and my thing is it all depends on your financial situation where you live like how close you are to the program um, what kind of support system you do or don't have how fast you want to get done like it's there's so many different variables it's like you can't and also like what their acceptance process is because some of them are crazy like my program now is a lottery system yeah so like (laughs) it's just like luck of the draw whatever number they take out is who they get and thankfully when I started that program it was like a first come first serve basically like who has the fastest (laughs) wi-fi so like my wi-fi was pretty quick that day and that's why I got (laughs) in first you know but I can't imagine if it's a lottery system that's just crazy so it would just be so hard to go through two years of prereqs and then wait on a lottery system to see if you get in. I couldn't imagine. That almost seems like a little unfair. <laughs> that would be very discouraging. What is the process for Concord? Um, it's a point system. So um, you basically, so being a dental assistant for more than one year or more than one year gets you one point. If you're a dental assistant for more than five years, I want to say it gets you two or three points. Um, and then basically they, another thing that they, if you did, um, um, shadowing. So if you have like a dental office sign off saying that like you shadowed for them for a certain number of hours, um, you get a point for that. Um, and then all the rest of the points, um, you get points for that, that pre HESI test that you take. And then they also have you take, um, another entry test. It was like, it was one that you have 12 minutes and then you want to basically get through as many questions as you can. I can't remember what that one is called, but based on what you score on those, you get a certain number of points. And then they basically um, go through all the prerequisite classes you've already taken. And then you get points based on how many you've already taken. Okay. That's kind um, of a cool process. So, and, then, um, and then basically, yeah, depending on how many people apply, it's the t- whoever the top, I would assume top 24 then, whoever the top 24 um, are the ones that get into the program. Got it. So, and then you have like an interview too with the dean. Did you guys do an interview with the no, dean? No, we didn't have to do any type of interview at all, which I am so thankful for, but I have no advice to give to people that ask me that. That was definitely probably the most nerve wracking part because they asked like kind of personal questions. Like I remember she asked like, what, what, like, I forget exactly how she phrased it, but one of the questions were like, um, like what's the biggest struggle what has the biggest struggle been in your life and like how did you overcome it like there were some pretty deep questions um yeah and I remember like 
I was not expecting that like at all. Um, but so I I were you just like kind of describe what it was like? Were you just like in a room and it was one person and she's just like staring at you and uh-huh. asking you questions? <laughs> exactly. So we were in her office um, and her office was like located like, like right across from the clinic. So um, it was kind of cool being able to like see the clinic and see what everything looked like. Um, cause I weirdly didn't get a tour. Everybody else got a tour. I didn't get the tour. That's one thing about trade school too, is position turnover is so high for like administration. So like just for the two, almost two years that I was there, they had like two different deans, like two different presidents, like whoever my administration advisor was like, I never saw him again. Like once the program started, I have no idea where he went. Um, so that was a little tricky. So if you ever needed help with something, whether it was like financial aid, um, I had like a couple of VA questions and stuff like that. Like it was so hard to communicate with people. Cause like everyone was new and like no one, it just, that was a little frustrating at times, but, um, but yeah, so basically it was me and, um, I'm sorry, the interview wasn't with the Dean. It was with the program director. Oh, okay. I apologize. Um, so yeah, her, the interview with the program director and, um, she kind of started out with kind of like simple questions like, yeah, like why hygiene, like, um, like tell me a little bit about yourself and got into like deeper, deeper questions. Like the one of like, what's been the most like, like biggest life obstacle. Um, how have you handled, um, conflicts within your life and, um, yeah, questions like that. And, you know, talked about work history and stuff like that, which, yeah, just deeper questions that I anticipated. So I think the best thing you can definitely do there is just be like as open and vulnerable as possible. Cause like, I don't want to like get into like some of my answers, but yeah. like, I remember I her and like, I actually like teared up a little bit. And then she told me something about her life that made me also tear up. And so we had like a moment. And so I don't know if she did that with everybody. You're like, wow, am I getting into hygiene school or <laughs> like both got very deep. The tears started early before I even got into the program. So, <laughs> so if, so I always get the question, do you recommend being a dental assistant before a hygienist? And I want to know just your thoughts on that. <sighs> you know, I, I honestly think it helped me. Um, just having the background of like, you know, anatomy, like the skull and like the face bones, um, obviously knowing the teeth numbers, um, in my case, having ortho be what I was so used to did not help me as much because I don't know if people listening know this, but in ortho, the teeth are numbered differently than in general. So that was a little hard to like, kind of rewire my brain back on like what the correct numbering system was. Um, but I personally think being an assistant before would be helpful. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's like a hundred percent necessary because in hygiene school, you have classes of what you would learn like a super, super, super crash course to dental assisting, like the fastest crash course to dental assisting. Um, Cause technically, I mean, in our field, it's not like we're supposed to be doing dental assistant work, but I know that can happen in offices. Yeah. So if you end up in an office and they want you doing some dental assistant work, then you're just kind of SOL a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a requirement, but I do think it would be helpful being a dental assistant. First. Yeah, I agree. Like, well, for, for me, my, it's a little bit different. I didn't even know what a hygienist was even when I became a dental assistant, it was just like a stepping stone thing. But I will tell people if you already know you want to be a hygienist, cause I think 
things are a lot different now. There's so much information out there that you can get a pretty good idea of what it's like being a dental hygienist in the field. Um, But at the time when I was thinking about it, there was like nothing. So I tell them, if you know 100% that you want to be a hygienist and that's what you want to do, or even like get some shadow experience first or something, then you just dive right into hygiene. Otherwise, if you have absolutely no clue and you're just going out on a limb here, then maybe you should start to explore some dental assisting type of thing. But I would say if you know you want to be a hygienist, just do it. <laughs> but yeah. it's No, like, I could see that too, definitely. Yeah, but I it did help me a lot, you know, like with, like you said, teeth numbering, being comfortable in the operatory, insurance stuff, scheduling appointments. I mean, I feel like right. our first job as a hygienist was a little bit easier in that sense and we know the the whole flow of everything okay so switching gears here because this is what I really want to get into I (laughs) I want to get into what it's like being a pregnant hygienist oh my god (laughs) so for those of you who don't know um we are co-workers like we've said and we had four ladies in the house in the dental house that were all pregnant (laughs) at the same time so we all stopped drinking the water we didn't know what was like how it was (laughs) happening but yes so that happened and it's been pretty interesting watching everybody go through the differences and I am just excited to hear because I may well be in your shoes one day so I need the details First thing, first thing I want to know, and everybody wants to know, is how did you tell the boss? Oh, yeah, that was, well, and then a little background, too. So I started working at this office at the end of March, and then technically, like, according to the calendar and last period and all that good stuff, technically got pregnant um, in the middle of April, yeah. So I like just started working there too. And so um, basically what actually what I had done was when I had found out, I like, of course, was like, oh my gosh, Um, very excited at the same time though, like super, super excited. Um, But so I actually told the office manager first and every office structure I know is a little bit different. So it just depends on who you feel most comfortable telling. But so I told the office manager first, and then so funny, she was one of the ones who was also pregnant and like, <laughs> like what? Um, but see, I told her first and then told her that I wanted to wait to tell the doctor until I had my first ultrasound, um, just to make sure everything, make sure there was actually a baby there. Yeah. Uh, and so basically when I, they for, I had my first ultrasound, everything was looked great and normal. That was on a Friday. I didn't work on Fridays then. Um, and then that Monday I had requested a meeting with the doctor that I worked for. And then it was kind of funny because like all the doctors we work for, um, share an office. So like, I just wanted to tell him. So when I asked, I was like, Oh, and I feel like I love the doctor we work for. He's just a teeny tiny bit awkward. I'm a teeny tiny bit awkward. So like the other two doctors were in there and I was like, can we talk in private? And I just feel like the look on his face. I was like, Oh no, like I'm not even more scared. And so we go to this like other like random room that like, I don't know what that room is even technically used for, but, um, so we were just like standing cause there was no chairs in that room. And I was like, so, um, just wanted to let you know that I am pregnant and, um, I love working here and I'm just, you know, I'm so excited that to like, to, to go through this and, um, just wanted to kind of touch base with you if there's any, 
thing that we anyone we need to report to or anyone we need to talk to because I also I wanted to do a seminar badge because we take x-rays um and so then I was like I would um I know that I was talking with uh, our office manager and um, I would love to get one of those assembler badges. And he just was awesome. He was like the best. He like said, congratulations. And of course, we'll get you one of those. Um, and basically, and then I asked for his like discretion, of course, until like I was out of the first trimester. Um, but it was definitely a little awkward. I'm not going to lie. Um, and out of the four of us that were pregnant, I know I was the first one to tell him. So I think that made it a little bit easier on me too. So mm-hmm. I was like, at least the first one. I feel like by the fourth time, he was probably just like, what? <laughs> you guys, like, it was like, it was like back to back. Like, we literally, were like. Literally back to back. <laughs> we're just having one big baby, like the whole office. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he was like super understand. Like, all, he was like, he was happy for me. And That's so it awesome. was really, it took so much weight off of my shoulders. Um once I was able to finally tell him, because like weirdly, like when you know something, I feel like I, I was like lying to him until like I told him for some reason, even yeah. though it was like a couple of weeks before I had the first ultrasound, it like felt like I had a secret. And so it felt really good to tell him. And he was like, he was really awesome about it. And Do you like, oh, um, like the way that it went or like what, would there be anything you would recommend differently like let's just say hypothetically I'm not pregnant but let's just say Brit <laughs> Brit's pregnant you know and like she needs to tell Doc like how what kind of like how did you help me out here oh my gosh I just feel like geez um well at least in your case you he like knows you well like I feel like he didn't know me and so that's what made it like that's what made it awkward well just in like. general like yeah. just in general like a hygienist is pregnant like go about it the same way like doctor can I just have like a private conversation with you like you exactly. think that's like the best way you can definitely sitting down would make things easier and just would make things feel like more like official versus like standing in like a <laughs> closet almost um, so definitely getting into an environment like maybe like I feel like maybe I felt too rushed to tell him okay like maybe schedule the meeting so that you can like schedule it at a time that you're not doing it around other people um so that and also so you can kind of like collect yourself a little bit that's good um, advice I like that just like, you're just like being like so I'm pregnant yeah uh, maybe even telling them like in a cuter way I know one of our like I I don't know if one of our other coworkers told him in a cute way but she told all of us in a cute way with the whole um there was like a little box of treats in there and everything it was so cute but like even telling them in a more fun way I feel like would kind of break the ice a little bit yeah um than just like saying it but you know you everyone's relationship with their doctors are a little bit different but I guess yeah that would be my biggest thing is is maybe scheduling the meeting out a little bit so that you're not awkwardly standing in like a closet and yeah then you tell them. So, I think but, too like a lot of office dynamics are really different which that's why I am really thankful for the office that we work in it has been like super fun to see the because everybody kind of did their own little announcement I don't think you did right you didn't do one right I just sent you all. A yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You sent us a group. <laughs> yeah, you sent us a group text. No, but still cute though. And then like everybody did their little announcements, and it was just so fun. Like when Mallory and I found out one of the doctors were pregnant, it was early in the morning, and we were so excited. We were like oh crying God. together. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I never like felt so happy for someone. Like I was like I was so in shock. I was like felt like my like sister was telling yeah, me. Yeah, it was so cute. So I I love that because I've worked out often where I could understand how it would almost seem like 
like not necessarily a bad thing but they wouldn't maybe be as happy as everybody was um at our office you know like it would kind of be like oh gosh how are we gonna get through this when you're gone they would be thinking more about that um whereas our office was like really happy and did like baby showers for everybody and stuff like that um going back to the dosimetry badge thing how did you feel about taking x-rays while being pregnant so I was definitely nervous to be like really honest. I can like I talked with a lot of other people who I knew who were hygienists and had been pregnant in the office as well, just to see like their input, um, what they had done. I worked at an office really briefly that they had one of those. Um, what are the X-ray machines called that you the stand nomad. in the room when you hold it? The a nomad. nomad. Yeah. Really thankful we didn't have those because I feel like I would have refused to use one of those. Even if they even if they say they're safe, I just I feel like I would have refused to use one of those. And I do feel like um, our doctor, that's one thing I'd forgotten to mention, he had asked if I felt comfortable taking x-rays. So he kind of did also give me the option if I even wanted to take them or not. And after the the people that I had talked to um, and some of the research I had done on my own, um, I felt comfortable taking x-rays. And then having the dosimeter badge again was really nice. And just that reassurance that they could like mail it away and check. Ours was actually a cool little like USB drive. So um, I'm not sure exactly what it looked like when they were checking those, but it just was very cool that they could like check our levels to make sure that we weren't getting any unnecessary or extra radiation. Yeah. Um, biggest thing with that though, just make sure you leave it out of the room when you take x-rays. Yeah. Do not leave it in the room when you take x-rays. Or <laughs> take it out into up. the sun. <laughs> um, what kind of like, because I know we talked about taking x-rays a lot and I was totally for you guys like you guys being both the hygienists that were pregnant um I was totally for you guys not taking x-rays and I was like an advocate for that I was like you guys can put all the x-rays on my schedule like that's totally fine but I know that you had mentioned before that you felt like maybe a little bit guilty about like um opting out is that right well just if you think it like and again, I did, if I felt unsafe taking them, I would have not taken them. But there was a part of me that would like just the idea of the idea of, cause they'd have to rearrange like the entire schedule. And then like one thing I was thinking is like, where would I even stand? Like when we were taking x-rays, mm-hmm. um, depending on like which room I was in, of course. Um, I just felt like it would definitely would have been a big inconvenience. And like, if all of us were taking x-rays at the same time, would they have to grab an assistant to come take my x-rays? Is that going to put me more behind, like waiting for someone to come take my x-rays? Um, so definitely that did stress me out a little bit. And so just, it did feel good to confirm with other people who had been pregnant and, and mm-hmm. went through this, that they felt okay taking x-rays. Mm-hmm. But again, I know everyone's totally different and you should 100% have the option to not take the x-rays if you don't want to take them. I think Um, for me too, like just seeing you pregnant and knowing how hard we work while not creating a whole human, it just like, to (laughs) me, it it was almost like, I I like wanted to take that away from you guys because it's just so much. Like I feel like doing everything that we do, we're basically like on a sprint from the time we clock in to the time we clock out. And it was just one of those things that I'm watching you guys do that. And I'm just like, wow, I, I completely like wish you could at least not have to do that 
because you guys work so hard while you're pregnant and it's just crazy to me to to watch you know I'm just like we work mm-hmm. so hard already and then to add that on top of it it's intense yeah I I agree with you I, in that sense it would it would have been nice to not do that yeah <laughs> it would have been one less thing um how did you go about like the whole scrub situation oh that's funny yeah for I feel like it felt like for a long time, like I wasn't like super, super showing and I was able to keep continuing, continuing, I was able to continue to wear my scrubs. I want to say I wore them like in the later twenties, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I just got to the point where that was not going to fit anymore. Luckily the pants, I have the Grey's Anatomy signature, um, pants is what I wore and those fit the entire time just because of how much the waistband can stretch. But um, I just switched to t-shirts. We were just, luckily our office, we wear lab coats. And so I just wore um, a black t-shirt underneath the lab coat that stretched all the way around the belly. Nice. I feel like it would have been fun maybe to like invest in like some maternity like scrubs. But for how short of a time that you actually like wear the maternity scrubs, it just didn't seem like worth it to me. And so the t-shirts worked just fine. Did you wear Uh, compression socks or no? I did not, but um, I've known people who, like, they swelled really bad, and they had to wear compression socks, so. And how was it navigating working on the patients? No, that was uh, definitely towards the end when, like, I was, like, super, like, prominent and pregnant where, like, patients even recognized it. Um, Your sense of, like, spatial awareness is so off that there were, like, several times that, like, I would catch myself, like, touching my belly to the patient's head. And, like, not once did the patient ever say anything, and I would just be the one to realize it and, like, scoop back all of a sudden. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, so that was – no one ever said anything either, of course. And I'm sure that they probably realized, too. But that was – it was, like, hard. Like, if you can, like, imagine, like, for, like, good ergonomics, like, how close you – we typically sit to the patient's head, and then, like, all of a sudden you have this, like, giant belly on you. Oh, that was – that was not fun. And then uh, it's kind of hard to just explain this over a podcast, but you know what my room looks like and where the chair, when the chair would lay all the way back, like you would have to like side shuffle, even not being pregnant to get around the patient's head. So like when the doctors would come in for the exams, I would like stand in the corner and I, like every single time, like n- none of the doctors caught on that I was doing this because I didn't fit behind the chair. <laughs> so they would like look at me and be like, oh, do you want to come walk over here? And I was like, no, I'll just stand in the corner. Because I don't fit over there. <laughs> it was so, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was an experience. It's like the little things you don't think about until, you like, you're pregnant about. and you're like, and wow. Of course, like, our hygiene team lead, like, asked me a couple times if I wanted to trade rooms for, like, convenience. And, like, I'm just, my personality is, like, not wanting to inconvenience anyone. So I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Should have definitely switched rooms. And, like, <laughs> we'll switch rooms in the future if this happens again. <laughs> um with your like maternity leave do you feel like you had you left like left at the right time or do you wish you would have stayed longer or shorter or how do you feel about that in a perfect world I probably would have ducked out like two weeks sooner than I did that last like month and a half of pregnancy was like rough like I was definitely like um everyone, you know, experiences pregnancy differently too. Like I had a pretty easy first half of the pregnancy. I like wasn't super nauseous. I was a little nauseous, which actually was funny because before I had told everybody I was pregnant, you're not supposed to be eating or drinking things in your op. 
But like, if I wasn't popping like a saltine and like a sip of ginger ale, like at least once an hour, like I was feeling nauseous. And I remember it was like 9am. And then the hygienist that was across from my op was like, like, Oh, do you, do you really like ginger ale? And I was like, Yep, I love it. Like I just was like, oh, she knows. She definitely knows. I remember that. <laughs> um, but so, but yeah, I had a pretty easy first half of my pregnancy. I didn't have to call out of work at all because of you know nausea or anything like that, which I'm super thankful for. But just towards the end, like kind of like what you were saying, just like constantly feeling out of breath and like constantly feeling fatigued. And then um, I got like pretty intense Braxton Hicks like throughout the second half my entire pregnancy so if I didn't go to the bathroom like at least every two hours my stomach would like tighten really hard and it was like pretty uncomfortable um and then as you guys all know like you just don't have time to go to the bathroom sometimes and I would like think I had time to go to the bathroom but then the doctor would be late for the exam and then oh man it just like it I just feel like it I was very stressed out like the last month and a half of working there um so it would have been nice to duck out maybe a little bit sooner but definitely could not have worked any more than I did. And I went out the typical amount of time. I went out at 36 weeks, um, yeah, which is like I, when state considers you disabled. I always give it up to you because I'm like, you, you made it look so easy. I'm like, if I get pregnant, that is what I want my pregnancy to be like. Because you were just like <laughs> running around, doing this, eating this. Like you were, in, <laughs> in my eyes, you were like, you were good. <laughs> Oh, I like, oh man, I like, I'm flattered by that. I appreciate that because I like, did not feel good on the inside. And like, but I, again, I it made it, I, it, I was okay, but like, I was okay that I was not okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like mentally kind of going through it and just like little things would happen sometimes. Like if like I left like the x-ray ring, like in the sterilization room, I'd like, I'd be like so frustrated. I have to go all the way back to get an x-ray holder. (laughs) You drop (laughs) the mirror. You drop the mirror. You're like, no. Oh my God. No, actually like I feel like, and then when you, it's not like you're at home, you can like use your feet to pick things up. I dropped so many pieces of trash that I just like kicked behind the trash can. And I was like, nope, nope, not today. Not good. Um, No. Yeah, exactly. Um, Did anybody ask, did any patients ask to touch your belly? Oh my gosh. Only... It was like two patients and they were both, they were both, um, older women, which, you know, they're very sweet. Um, but did not ask, just touched. So. Oh, no, just, no, no asking. Just, I was like, no, no asking. And I was like, and no, one of them was like one of my three monthers too. So she had seen me like probably like exactly three months before I was like going to leave. So like, I didn't even have like a big belly, but like, I warned her that she might be seeing somebody different. And so she got all excited and like touched my like not super prominent belly and it feels more weird when like you're not super pregnant because you're just like oh you're just touching me for no reason it feels like um but they're both really sweet and it was it was a little weird but um and all my patients were like so excited for me too even like because again because I just worked there all these patients I'm pretty much seeing for the first time were just like beyond excited um and like I even had like a patient like bring me a gift and like I just thought that was just like the sweetest thing. Like yeah. that's what's so fun about our profession is like the relationships that like we gain. Like, you know, the the relationships we form with people that I'm like, I just met you for the first time for an hour and like just like how sweet that they can be. It's just yeah. it's Oh, I totally remember um one patient specifically just being I because I was in the room next to you and I just remember her being so 
stinking excited for you it was the (laughs) cutest thing my heart was just like melting because I could just hear you guys talking about it and like now I'm seeing like some of your patients you know and they instantly remember they're like oh um how's the one hygienist who saw me last time she was pregnant like how's she doing and they're (laughs) so excited and like I know they can't wait to see you next time to like ask you how the baby's doing it's so cute well Okay, so as we wrap this up, I always like to end with some advice that you would give either your, se- your younger self or a new hygienist who is either starting hygiene or thinking about doing hygiene. What is the best I- advice you would give? Uh, definitely, like my, uh, the couple pieces of advice that I would give are if you're thinking about doing it, um, is don't wait any longer. Just, you know, just... I feel like we spend so much time like right thinking about something or like hemming or hawing whether like we should start something, whether it be a career or like anything. I would just say just to do it. It's a really great field, you know, depending on the office you work in, having weekends off, holidays off. Um and we're in a field right now that like, you know, right now we're just in such high demand that I feel like our profession is growing more and more, is gaining more and more recognition for the importance and value that we bring to the office, you know, like patients typically are coming back for us because we are the ones that see them two times a year or three or four times a year. Um, so don't wait. If you're, if you're thinking about it, it's definitely, I don't think you'll regret it. And I think it'd be a great field to get in. And then for the actual part of being in school, um, this is kind of a weird piece of advice, but being really upfront with your patients about the time commitment to being your patient um, is so important. Like I was always really upfront with all my patients. Like you are committing to four appointments that are going to be four hours long, like, like just super open and honest so that there was no confusion. I know other classmates I had that would just get a friend to come in super randomly. And then that friend would never come back. Cause they're like, well, no, I can't do that. You know? So, um, just being like really upfront and honest about like what your hygiene schools clinic timeline is and just because it just makes it really easy much easier on both parties ends yay I love that it's so cute that's really good advice that's why I always love asking that question it's so cute well thank you everybody for listening I hope you enjoyed this episode and my good friend Mallory thank you so much for coming on I appreciate you so much and I have to let you get back to the baby Thank you for having me. I was glad that this worked out and that I got to come on here. Yeah, it was so exciting. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And you can check out the details on the bottom of the podcast for all the information on this week's episode. Thank you. Bye.